Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Uh, you're very kind. You can be seated. Thank you. You're very, very kind. I love it. God bless you. Beautiful. It's great to be back. We, uh, we did arrive at, I did get off the plane at uh, like five past six this morning, but Pastor Leanne, something, something, something in her thing flagged the uh, security, so she had to get uh, detained for an hour and a half. Yep. For an hour and a half. I knew it. I just knew it. I thought there's, she's a rascal. I, I've been telling her for years she's a little rascal. And uh, she doesn't believe it, but uh, anyway, so an hour and a half later, they let it go. So, and then we hit all the traffic. Praise God. I, I want to, first of all, just say thank you, thank you, thank you to uh, all of our amazing teams for not just uh, Easter, but rolling from Easter straight into Hero. So can we give a round of applause for everybody and anybody who was involved? Is, uh, is Marky Cullen here? Marky Cullen, can you stand up? This is Mark Cullen, who is a gift. He is just a gift. He is a gift to the body of Christ. I'm telling you, oh, one of the highlights for me is, uh, <laughs> is Marky Cullen shredding. And then he has that look in his eye. You're like, oh, my gosh. He just... And, uh, but even the way, just like the, uh, the, the rock music was really carried by, you know, Mark's proficiency in uh, songs. Like people were just like, wow, it's so effortless. And uh, I had a guitarist sitting next to me at one of the nights and he was saying, I was trying to learn that song. That is so difficult. He makes it look so easy. And then the way that he, uh, you know, is kind of synchronizing with, uh, with the devil. And then when Jesus is on the cross, comes and bows and... So good. So we just love all the hard work and the rewriting and the, the recreating and the tracks you lay down. And uh, you and your beautiful bride and your family are just su such a treasure. We just love you. And then uh, Pastor Becky, can we put our hands together for... It, it, it's always a wonderful thing to um, have someone who sees the way that you see. The, the, the biggest frustration when you're building anything uh, is that the, the, usually once you start going down a second and a third uh, tier of leadership, uh, vision diminishes and people don't see what you see. And to, to actually have uh, Pastor Becky who actually sees uh, exactly and then sees things that I didn't even see. Uh, is just just extraordinary. That's just a real high quality. And always remember that that uh, the prerequisite for leadership is vision. Jesus said, "If the blind leads the blind," so therefore the prerequisite for for leadership is vision. If you don't see, if you don't see, if you don't see the problem, you can't ever find a solution. Because well, what's wrong with it? We're just uh, the difference between Sydney, we almost missed our flight yesterday because um, uh, whoever the, the uh, idiot is who was in charge of Sydney International Airport decided, hey, let's just have one exit and one entrance. And so you've got your departing flights come out through the same. The, the, uh, 
the, the taxis come out, the, the VIPs come out, the, the rental cars come out, and then the people who are in the parking lot all have to merge through one. So it's just insane. So we were, we were 10 minutes from the airport for about 53 minutes. And I could see the planes taking off and landing, and I'm just like, oh. So I had to ditch my rental car, had to apologise, saying I couldn't fill it up. You'll have to fill it up. I couldn't. If I pulled over to fill it up, we would have missed the flight. But just no, no vision. No vision. No vision to see, hey, this is an international airport. We are a first world nation, but may as well be a third world nation with the traffic. And uh, so I wrote them a nice little note just to let them know. But you can't fix what you don't see is broken. Amen. All right. Well, well this morning, uh, you know, uh, beautiful Connor Mead who came and picked us up said, man, the devil must not want you to preach this morning. So, but I was really excited this morning. I want to talk about the difference between kingdom and, and our culture. So you'll hear, you'll hear a lot about culture and you'll hear that culture trumps vision and, you know, culture this and culture that. And certainly we have a culture, you know, fresh, real, powerful is our culture. It's who we are. Um, but I, I want to talk a little bit into culture because uh, it's very important that you understand. One of, the, one of the biggest compliments that we got this year was from Pastor Paul Cole and, uh, or Dr. Paul Cole and Dr. Rob Carmel. When they came to men's conference, they said, wow, you haven't built an Australian church. And for, for so many years, we've been labeled, oh, that's the Australian church. Oh, yeah, C3 San Diego, that's the Australian church, the Australian church, the Australian church. And I reckon that God, God sends uh, Peter to the, the Jews and then he sends Paul, who's a Pharisee, to the Gentiles. You would think God's got it flipped. You would think, God, okay, just hang on, hang on there, God. You probably didn't look through the resume properly. Paul's a Pharisee. He's educated when it comes to <laughs> Jewish stuff. Send him to the Jews and then Peter, he's a fisherman. He'd do a whole lot better with Gentiles. But God purposely does that because the, the greatest danger that you and I can bring is the culture that we're brought up in. The greatest danger to the kingdom is the culture that you and I are brought up in because you need to understand that the power of God lands on and travels in. The power of God lands on and travels in kingdom culture only. It does not land on the culture that you grew up in. It does not land on the culture that you inherited or the culture that you're used to, the culture that you're familiar with. That's why you had to say to Abraham, get out of your father's house, get out of your country, get away from your family, and then I can make of you a great nation. But if you stay immersed in that culture, the, the, power, of God is, the power of God is going to keep short-circuiting. And so, so, you know, for us, it's fresh, real and powerful. But that, that powerful is only released when we make the cons conscious decision that we will continually strive to build a kingdom culture overlaid over the, the natural culture of whether, whether it's San Diego, whether it's Sydney, whether it's Wollongong, whether it's Auckland, New Zealand, whether it's Madagascar, wherever it is. We're not there to, to uh, just kind of recreate within the culture that's there. So when, when we moved to San Diego, they told us, well, when you get to San Diego, you need to understand there are no big churches or don't, don't go spirit-filled or just be careful. And how many times over the years we, we were told to back up. So let me give you some scriptures. So in, in uh, Mark chapter 6, Jesus comes to his hometown 
Mark chapter 6, and the Bible says, it's one of the saddest verses in, in the whole Bible in Mark chapter 6. It says, and Jesus could do no mighty work in his hometown. He could do no mighty work in his hometown. Have a look at verse uh, Mark 6, uh, verse 3, I think, in Jesus' name, 2. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? So Jesus is obviously preaching and telling them. He's telling them about the miracles over here, and the miracle over here, the miracle over here, and then raise this person from the dead. And, that. and they're like, hang on, well, where's this guy get these teachings? And what are these mighty miracles? Watch this. And what wisdom is this which is given to him? Such mighty works are performed. Is this not the carpenter's son? the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, are not his brothers and sisters here with us. So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there. Got to be the saddest verse in the Bible. He could do no mighty work there. Why? Because he wasn't God there. He was still God. He was no less Jesus. He was no less God there. He was the same peace be still is, is in the same body. So the same power, the same anointing, the same spirit of God, the same word, the same revelation, the same understanding. Yet in that environment, he could do no mighty work there. I reckon the devil works his darndest to create atmospheres and environments that block the power of God from traveling. You need to understand the power of God, the power of God lands on and travels in the kingdom of God. So therefore we have to, we have to build the kingdom of God wherever we go. So, so you know, <clears throat> when we came, I, I, I just kind of understood that you can't build the kingdom if you want everybody to like you. You know, we're watching this thing on, on uh, Rod, Rod Bell and, uh, you know, how he's just kind of gone off the rails. And all he's trying to do is he's trying to just appease the culture. Just, you know, I just want to be accepted. I just want to be popular. And, and, uh, and as, soon, as soon as, the you know, you, you see the, uh, the kind of left-wing loony uh, media people embrace a preacher, you know he's already lost his salt. You know, he's already lost his soul. If he's already, and so he's already, he's just, hey, well, you know, the Bible really, you know, needs to catch up with culture. And as soon as, as, soon as you replace the Word of God with, it's called idolatry. That's, that's idolatry. When we say, hey, God, we know what your kingdom says, but we're going to elevate what we're comfortable with above kingdom, above what you say. And so our job is to build culture. Our job is to build culture. So Jesus in Luke 11 the disciples ask him to pray. He's just cast out a demon. They said, well, he's only casting demons out by Beelzebub, the Lord of the demons. And he says, well, hang on. If Satan's kingdom is divided, how can his kingdom stand? He says, but if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, he's saying that the display of power and the displacement of evil by good, the display of power and the displacement of evil forces by the power of good shows that the kingdom of God right now is present. Amen. So, so for us, for, for us to be fresh, real, and powerful, I, I don't want to just a church that's fresh and that's real, but there's no power. Yeah. Right. There, there has to be, there has to be a, a power, because when I read the book of Acts, they, they had power. 
they had so much power that Peter could walk down the street and his shadow falling on on crippled and lame people are getting him healed. There was so much power. The Bible says that the, the, the power was so overflowing that God did unusual miracles at the hands of Paul, that he laid his hands on handkerchiefs and sent them across the countryside and the sick were healed and demons cast out because of a piece of cloth. Somebody's hanky was placed on them and demons were manifesting and leaving because the hanky was so filled with the presence and power of God. So if God was doing unusual miracles in the book of Acts, why is it that churches have, don't even have usual miracles? There should be usual miracles. Oh, you got cancer, you ought to go down to C3 church. They heal cancer all the time. Oh, you, you're terminally ill, you ought to go down there. Oh, you, you're unable to conceive you, you need to go to C3. There's something in the water there when they pray for people, they get pregnant. There, there should be that usual miracle. The, the, the church loses its power when, when we elevate our culture, because what we're saying is we're saying to God, God, I want to be accepted and I want to be, my comfort is more important than, than your exaltation. But we can't, do, we can't do that. We can't be that. We will not be that. I, we want to build a church that's fresh, real, and a church that's powerful. So I've just f- found that there's a few things that, uh, uh, that, that are kind of synonymous with, with the kingdom that, that kind of go against your culture. So there are just things that, that you'd always, whenever you go into any city, whatever city, whatever demographic we plan a church in, uh, we have to be wise. We have to identify what is, what is the culture. What are some of the, the cultural mindsets and paradigms of that? Because you will find that behind the culture, there's always an idol. There's always a demonic spirit. There's always a demonic force. Well, you know, homelessness is huge here or promiscuity is huge here or whatever it is, gambling or addiction or whatever. And you'll find that behind whatever's in the culture, there's always a spirit. Well, our job is to, is to, to overthrow those spirits. Our job is to drive out those spirits. Our job is to, to, to bring a place where the Spirit of God has, has, has rule and reign, the kingdom of God. So uh, let me give you a few thoughts. The, the first one I, I reckon is small-mindedness. Small-mindedness, it's huge. When, when, when just in Australia, you know, uh, when I'm telling uh, the Aussies about the fact that we don't have uh, speed cameras in uh in, in America, they're like, well, how come you don't have speed cameras? I said, well, they tried them in Arizona and they ripped them out. Well, what they rip them out? I said, oh, because, you know, people shot them and refused to pay the fines. Well, what, what they refused to pay the fines? You can't refuse to pay the fines. I said, oh, yeah, because we have a constitution that actually limits government. In, in, and it's just like, what? Oh, what do you mean limits government? You know, we're walking with, with a family member and, and, uh, and she said to, to Leanne and I, she goes, oh, you know what I reckon the government needs to do? I reckon the government needs to give every person who's intellectually handicapped a dog, you know, to help them. But, but already, I'm, I'm, she's already in a place where, you know, um, our faith is in our government, our allegiance is in our government. You know, we don't need a God. We've got government. Government is our God. What is government? Government, government? government is elected men and women. Human beings elected into power, places of power. And if you, if you think, oh, well, they, you need to understand the problem with that is all of us have a sinful nature. All of us have a sinful nature. And so what I found was that there's, there's just these mindsets. There's just these mindsets, small mindsets. You know, uh, when, when we were at Presence a few weeks ago, 
um, it, it was wonderful to hear Stephen Furtick saying, I can't get me no refills here in Australia. Why can't I get a refill? And, and uh, honestly, when I moved to America, I, I swear to God, I thought there was a water shortage. I thought there was a food shortage. I thought, and then I moved to America and I'm like, you know, would you like to take that with you? I'm like, I'll take it with me. I, I was taking everything with me to just go off in the fridge. Three or four days later, I have to throw it away. I'm not throwing that out. I paid for it. And there's a shortage. Go to Australia. There's a shortage. And, and uh, you know, and then your, your refills, they're bringing me refills that haven't even finished the last one. I'm like, what on earth is going on here? And so I began to realize that there, there, was, there, was no, there, was, there wasn't a shortage. It was just a shortage mentality. There's just a shortage mentality. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. So God is able. God is able. God is, I would even go so far as to say that God is willing. But we will only see it if we believe it. Many years ago, someone uh, prophesied over me and they said, God will give you whatever you believe Him for. God will give you whatever you believe Him for. Now you may say, wow, that's a really unique prophecy. But I, I, I want to kind of share that prophetic word from me to you. Because I don't believe that it's an exclusive, unique prophecy. Because when I read the Bible, Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, Whatsoever things you ask for, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And so you will find that God will give you whatever you can believe Him for. Whatever you can believe Him for. So, so as soon as I began to, to, to drive past buildings, and it, the first thought that goes into my head is, oh man, real estate's so expensive. You don't have millions of dollars. You don't know any million. And, and, and immediately, all the disqualifications. I've found that I never have to deal with the positive first. I always have to deal with the negative first. Because, I, because we're called to bring light into the darkness. The darkness is a negative environment. So, so I don't let the darkness find resonance with darkness in me my job is to I know it's dark I know it's difficult I know it's cold I know it's lonely I know I don't see any millionaires I don't see any I don't see how but I'm not going to put my faith or my hope or my trust in what my five senses are telling me I'm actually going to lean into the fact that my God is a God who supersedes my senses who supersedes the economy who supersedes the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And so I'm going to lean into God. I'm, going to, I'm not going to short circuit the hand of God. I'm not going to have God kind of sigh and exhale and say, oh, man, I really hope Jurgs would be the guy who would believe. But he just got so caught up in his culture. Every single pastor that I know that told me how difficult their church is to build a city in is finding it difficult to build a church in their city. So I just, I just decided flip life's too short. So I just thought, well, I'm always going to just preach San Diego is a great place to build a, a church. It's an easy place to build a church. In fact, if I was honest with you, we, 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 we kind of had a departure about six or seven years ago from just trying to, you know, rapid grow church. I said, let's not rapid grow. Let's build a church on discipleship. Let's, let's go the slow way. Let's just kind of just build disciples, not bother with, you know, crowds and gimmicks. And we canceled the, the, you know, the Easter extravaganza. We were giving away bikes and we'd have people turn up to get a bike and then leave and we'd never see him again. I thought, uh, let's do, you know, let's forget all of that. Let's, uh, let's just do, do, do church on steroids on, a, on an Easter Sunday and just build with disciples, disciples who make disciples. Let's create pathways. Let's create. And, and so, you know, so that, the, the church, but you know, but we, 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 we've asked as many people to leave as, you know, we're not afraid to ask people to, 
we're not a right fit. You've become toxic or whatever. You know, you need to find somewhere else. And, and, uh, and every time we do that, it's amazing. You've got to protect that, that kingdom culture. So, so Jesus says this in Luke 11 again. He says, ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. So when it comes to big thinking, when it comes to, to not having small thinking, I found that, that Jesus gives us the recipe right there when, he, when he's talking about the kingdom has come upon you. He says, ask. Because you, your ask is always the same size as your faith. Your faith is determined by the level of ask. And it's got a K on the end of it. Your ask is the size of your faith. Your ask. You got a cute little ask. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he must work out. And uh, <laughs> what are you asking God for? What are you believing God for? Because the level of, because you will find that, oh, well, I, you know, I was asking God for, oh, but how's that going to happen? And the banks haven't qualified us for a lot. And you'll find that you begin to disqualify. So you begin to lower your ask down to your faith. So that's why the Bible says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and you shall find. Seek means that there's got to be, there's got to be a discontentment, a godly discontentment with what you currently have. So Jesus says, seek and you shall find. Well, hang on. You know, I thought that, you know, we should just be happy and we shouldn't worry about tomorrow. And absolutely. Jesus isn't saying worry about tomorrow. Well, you know, I just thought that, you know, we should just be content with. No, no, no. Jesus is saying seek. Seek. God is a seeker. Did you know that God is a seeker? The Bible says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro the whole earth, uh, searching for him whose heart. The first introduction of God really in, in, in Genesis is, you know, God comes seeking Adam. Adam, where are you? God's the seeker. We think that man's a seeker. No, God was looking, Adam was hiding. God was on a search and rescue mission that ended up at the cross. That's where the search and rescue, Jesus came on a search. God is a seeker. God's not content. God's not willing that one should perish, but that all should. And so we, we need to keep seeking. Well, you know, how many buildings is enough buildings? I don't know. You know, how many campuses is enough? Oh, I don't know. How many leaders is enough? I don't know. I, just, I know that I've got to keep seeking new ways. I've got to keep seeking. I've got to keep seeking. I've got to keep seeking. I've got to keep looking for buildings. I've got to keep looking for leaders. I've got to keep looking for pathways. I've got to keep looking, you know, for entrances into our colleges, into our high schools, into our middle schools, into our primary schools, into our children's church. We've got to keep looking. We've got to keep looking. We've got to keep seeking. The, the worst thing that can happen is that we become apathetic, that we just sit on our hands that we become content with what we currently have we're always got to be seeking and then the bible says ask and the door will be opened ask sorry ask and you'll you shall receive seek and you'll find knock sorry and the door will be open which means the door's shut you know for, for years i used to meet these christians well you know that the, the the door was shut we're just looking for an open door you don't knock on open doors it says knock and the door will be open, which means right now it's shut. Well, you know, that, that, that area of the community is closed up. Well, well, let's just keep knocking on it. Well, you know, what do you, we've got to keep knocking. Unless you knock, the door's not going to be open. And, and literally the, the tense is knock and keep on knocking. So we, we, can't, we can't allow what God wants to do. I, I don't want the testimony in, in heaven of, oh, you guys were in San Diego. Yeah, Jesus could do no mighty work there. 
because of your unbelief. I believe that big thinking is excellence thinking. Excellence thinking. Excellence is, is the little things. Excellence is the little things. It's, the, it's, that little, it's that little dress. It's that little dress code thing. It's that little attitude thing. It's that little squeak. It's that little, it's that little light. It's that little blinking thing. It's that little thing. It's that little in the parking spot. It's, excellence is, is being big enough to see the little things. And to see that the little things rob the big things. It's amazing how a little thing can bring so much damage. It can ruin everything. The Bible says that the dead fly putrefies the perfumer's ointment. In the book of Ecclesiastes, I think it's 10 verse 1. The, a dead fly, just a tiny little fly. All that work, all that effort, all that perfuming ruined by such a small thing. And it's the small, it's the little things. You know, even um, the Shunammite says to Solomon... You know, on the, the night of, of their, their, their wedding, she says, let us catch the little foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's, it's always the little things that ruin big dreams. Excellence is taking care of the, the little things. Uh, I believe that uh, another one that God lands on is honor. That we've built a culture of honor in our church. People say, man, you know, what, what is it about your leaders? What is it about your team? What is it about the loyalty? What is it about, you know, someone was asking me at presence, oh, you know, what, what's your turnover on your staff? I'm like, I don't even understand the question. Oh, you know, what's your turnover rate? Oh, we don't really have any. Oh, why not? I'm like, oh, they just love working here. Why do they like, well, because we... We love each other, you know. How do you how do you keep the difference between you know friendship and and you know leadership? How do you how do you do that? Oh, just I don't know. Over the years, they just know. Oh, that it's Jurgen friend. Oh, now it's Jurgen leader, and they figured it out. And it's an excellent. Well, how do you teach that? Oh, just over the years, just well, you know. How do you keep a distance? We don't bring them into our home. Why would you do that? Well, because. I don't understand, but it's just, but, but, but there's, there's, there's such great honor. And you need to understand the power of God travels on on. And you need to understand you and I have been educated or re-educated in a world that says this. It says if there's rich, what we've got to do is we've got to tax the rich and then redistribute it to the poor to, to get everyone paying their fair share. You get everything equal here. Yeah, fair share. Yeah. And uh, whereas, whereas if you understand the Bible, which worked before our government, and it'll be working still after our government. So God bless, God bless the people in the world. But people in the world are trying to construct a Nimrod kingdom. They're trying to construct their own edifice. We are, we are kingdom people. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the lesser always blesses the greater. The lesser blesses the greater. So Abraham, there's no record of Abraham tithing until he comes to Melchizedek. But when he meets Melchizedek, he meets, for the first time, he meets someone greater than himself. And so he gives him a tenth of all that he has. And then what was on Melchizedek flowed down into him. Because as soon as you, as soon as you honor, whatever you honor, you create a supernatural flow from what you honor towards you. 
So God is all about flow. The kingdom flows. The power flows. The Bible says, and many sought to touch him because power flowed out of him. And, and as many as touched him were made whole of whatever infirmity they had. Jesus walking through the crown, a woman touched the hem, and he stopped and he said, who touched me? And they said, Lord, you see the crowd thronging you. He said, somebody touched me because I felt virtue flow out of me. There's, there's a flow that happens. And, and, uh, and the devil knows if we can punish, whatever you punish, you get less of. Whatever you reward, you get more of. So if we punish people who are industrious and risk takers and entrepreneurial, and you know, if we punish them by higher taxes and then we redistribute to people who kind of you know dropped out at school and kind of lazy, and we give it to whatever you reward, you get more of. Whatever you punish, you get less of. That's why it's always been custard. Whenever whenever a country's gone down that road, but but people go down that road because they have that, that spirit of Cain that's envious of the blessing of God on Abel. So we always want to attack someone with the blessing of God on them. We want to lure them in the field and smite them and kill them rather than do what's right. But you will find that as you honor, and it's amazing, even Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor except in his home country. Everywhere I go, I'm honored, except here in my home country. They couldn't see beyond his humanity. They couldn't see beyond his history to see that divinity, to see that the fulfillment of all the scriptures, all the promises was standing there in flesh and blood. He's doing miracles in every other place. And yet in his hometown, the power of God was short-circuited because of the Bible says their unbelief. Jesus marveled at their unbelief, but he says the root cause of the unbelief is a lack of honor. So when, when, you know, when people come to our church, they say, wow, your church you know, has, is, is a culture of honor. Uh, even beautiful Desiree, who's here, welcome home, back from uh, Sydney and presence, and glad to see that you survived your backpacking and your camping and everything else. But uh, beautiful Desiree, we were walking out of one of the meetings, and she said to me, she said, you know, I thought that um, uh, the standing up and cheering was a C3 thing. I think both of you guys said that, you know, it was a C3 thing, but no, it was, uh, it was only a C3 San Diego thing, you know, but it used to be a C3 thing. Now it's just, you know, stand up and shout the preacher down and, you know, and so, so we just decided, well, we're just going to bring a little bit of C3 to, to Sydney at the presence conference. So we're standing and cheering and, uh, and it was just, so, but, but the reason we do that is it's no, no greater honor. That doesn't get anything. But when you're shouting the preacher, and all of a sudden the preacher's like, man, what just happened, man? I feel, I feel stuff flowing. You can feel it in a meeting. When, when you're preaching in an environment where people are alive, there's stuff that's not even in your notes. It's just kind of flowing out. It's just flowing out. And you're like, my God, because there's a draw. Uh, honor always draws. Honor always draws. You, listen, if you will honor, if you will honor, uh, honor up, always honor up. You will find that you always create a flow. Whatever, whatever is on what you honor. Because really, you know, and again, uh, we, we don't honor men like Hollywood does. Hollywood wants to elevate, they call them stars. Because we want to we 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 uh, elevate them. What, what we do, honor is very different. Honor is we, we, we uh, bless what we see of God in them we see we, we, we when when somebody comes through we we honor my god they've 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 dug a gold mine this kingdom this 
this, this virtue, this something that they've got from God that we bless. And, that, and as soon as you honor that, it begins to flow to you. As soon as you honor that, it begins to flow to you. I was in, um, in a place in England recently, and the, the pastor had grown up, and I'll finish on this, the pastor had grown up in that town. Yet his church was extraordinary. His church didn't look like anything in that town. His church looked more like our church than anything else in that town. So I just began to ask him, you know, just a whole bunch of questions. How did you, how did you, how did you? And he said, you know, just from traveling around, seeing this, seeing this, seeing this, seeing this. But everyone says, well, you can't hear. You can't, you can't build that here. You can't do that here. You just can't do it. And so he just thought, well, I'm just going to do it anyway. And if they can do it there, why can't I do it here? Kingdom things. And, uh, and anyway, I'm in, in the worship. And I just thought, man, it's extraordinary, all these people leaning in. The, and the worship was like world class, was phenomenal worship. And I remember the scripture came to me where Jesus said, and I had to look it up, I had to, had to find it. Uh, Jesus says, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He says, you, you won't see me again until you say. And he's talking about a city that rejected Jesus. It rejected him. And Jesus says, I've come to visit you and I've only come to, to cast out your demons, which not everybody wants, the people that lost all those swine. When he cast the, the demon out of the, 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 uh, the guy with Gadarenes, they lost their pigs. And the Bible says they begged him to depart from their region. The guy who got the deliverance begged him that he might follow him. So Jesus' power had two, two different types of begging going on. One begging to leave because it's going to cost us financially. We, we just prefer people, you know, tormented as long as we can profit. And this guy. And so, so they, Jesus, you know, was rejected in some cities. And Jesus says, you'll not see me again until you can say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words... I'm not coming back until you recognize me on my servants. Until you say, oh my gosh, you know, we've got this phenomenal woman of God coming. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If, they come in, if, they come, if there's a hunger for come preach us the word of God, come teach us the word of God, that's where you'll find Jesus' power turning up. Jesus' power turning up. So the, one of the reasons that we, you know, we want people to lean in, we want people to, to take notes, we want you to, to have a journal. We, you, know, uh, you can be here but not here. You know, you can be here, but not here. You can be sitting out there in the foyer. There's a meeting going on or something going on. There's always something going on. Don't sit in the foyer. Make sure you're, you're in here. Make sure you're leaning in. Make sure you, you get it. You know, I can't get enough of, of the Word. I can't get enough because the Word will bless you. The Word will enlarge you. The Word will increase you. It'll multiply you. The, in, in, in the Word is everything that you need. The wisdom that you need, the knowledge that you need, the understanding you need. And he, the greatest thing about the Word of God is it kicks your, because you're ask. Because uh, the Bible says, Hebrews 4.12, it says, The Word of God is alive and living, sharper than any, any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder between joint and marrow, soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So I find that when I read the Word, it separates soul from spirit. Soul is my emotions. What? And then I realize, oh my gosh, I'm in a wrong spirit. 
It'll separate soul and spirit, and it's even a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I think that I'm on the right track, and then the Word of God, oh my goodness. And, uh, and it's so important to catch yourself there. The Word of God will, is one of the most powerful preventative tools. It will prevent you from making stuff up after stuff up, mess up after mess up. It'll keep you right, lean into the Word of God, and you'll find that if you honor the Word, the Word will end up honoring your life. If you, if you live in the Word, the Word will live in you. If you elevate the Word, you'll find the Word of God will elevate you. Amen. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, Father, that uh, you would just continue to help us to not allow the culture of San Diego. And I didn't even touch on females shouldn't preach and, you know, no power of God, you know, seek a friendly church and all that, Father. But Lord God, we, 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 we say to our city, San Diego, that we are here to bless this city, to be a blessing to this city. And we know the greatest blessing we can be to this city is if we bring the culture of the kingdom of God. And we know that the culture of the kingdom of God is full of honor. It is full of excellence. It is full of faith. It is full of big thinking. Because we want to see the power of God, not just land on our church, but travel in and through our church throughout every location, Lord God, that when people turn up to that location, their testimony is that their life is radically changed, completely transformed because there's a power that is present. And they may not even understand what it is when they're walking in, but Father, we understand because we understand that we've been given the, the, the privilege of being engineers of kingdom culture. Engineers of kingdom culture. Maybe that's why you took me through engineering, Lord God, so that I could be an engineer of kingdom culture right here in this city. And Father, we declare right now, we will not be intimidated. We'll not be bullied to, to settle for anything less. And we will not, Father. And if there's been any area where we've uh, exalted our culture in San Diego or in America or whatever, uh, above kingdom, Father, we repent. We pull it down now. We declare that we will elevate you. We will elevate Christ and we will elevate the kingdom above all else so that we can see your power travel and your power flow in Jesus name everybody said yeah. amen, amen. thanks for listening to find out more about our pastors team and what we do at C3 Church San Diego go to c3sandiego.com 